We just wanted a fair shot, but they was at you playing foul. Hey, what you owe me? No, I owe yous. We don't play with vows. Married to the hustle, you know I couldn't wait to say them vows. Heat it flows when I spit, but I ain't never lay no towel. Imaginary beef that don't exist, cause we fillet them cows. Came from the dirt, but still mash like a potato plow. Felt like I done seen it all. No, it could've went worse. Always kept my cool, but brought the heat up for that vent work. Family tried to cross me, I played defense, so that didn't work. I ain't about to cap you down in front as if that didn't hurt. I'm the one that called when it didn't work. I'm the one that went first. No excuse, I need my cash now like JG Wentworth. On the road like Kentworth. Took the flight and sent the quotes. I've been doing remote work and I've been getting to work remote. But I ain't had to touch no dope. The only work I sell is merch. We trying to get out the streets. We not trying to get in the hearse. Came a long way from them back streets. Made plays from the backseat. Stayed in my lane. I learned that from a track meet. Ten toes down. Fasciitis. I got flat feet. I just left the bank with trophies like an athlete. Hustler. Never been a sucker. Pipes in the car with me. Never fix the muffler. Stitches on me in Miami. Bitch, I'm Jimmy Butler. This ain't the salon, but we can get your ass touched up. Enough about the guns, though. I'm just having fun, ho. I've been dancing with the stars. I feel like Alfonso. If it's money to be made and I'm pulling up pronto. The man that I want ain't no motherfucking combo. I be with the gorillas even though they kill a rumbe. All they talking get this nigga. So we back. We apologize. Uh, never happened before, but nevertheless, uh, we back with our brother, Akil Parker. We're gonna try to pick up where we left off. Um, Ain't that crazy? Yeah. So he, <laughs> he, I told I told him he was dropping some heavy stuff, man. So I I don't know what was going on. <laughs> but, uh, That's wild. <laughs> we um. Uh, I guess I guess we'll just uh push the conversation forward, man, and uh just kind of jump into uh, all this may of the YouTube channel. You had kind of mentioned uh, yeah. a little bit about it, about that before we got cut off. So uh E, I'll let you uh jump in. Yeah, so um I guess we'll just start here. Like what what started all this math? Like what started? I know we talked about your your experience, your education, all that, but what how did this come about? Well, so back in 2017. I wanted to, I guess, get more serious and more formal about math tutoring because I'd always been like kind of tutoring on the side. You know, um, if you're a math teacher, people are always going to ask you for help or whatnot or somebody, you know, might want to do SAT prep. You know, um, at one point I was doing like I was I used to volunteer and do SAT prep on Saturdays at this library over in West Philly. I guess that was about maybe 10 years ago. But I decided to like, you know, become serious with it because I noticed that like a lot of people. I had noticed a lot of people having that had tutoring companies and I said, you know, that might be something to look into. So it started out as a tutoring company. And then from there it grew into, you know, I had some opportunities to do some educational consulting and some, some teacher coaching, you know, at a couple of schools around Philly. And then um, from there, after that, during the pandemic, I started the YouTube channel because I saw that like that was going to be the future of education anyway, you know, um, I've been studying some stuff and I saw some other examples, um, some examples of like video or online, like instruction that like, I didn't think was very good quality, you know? Um, so I said, 
you know, I could, you know, start my own thing. So, so yeah, here we are. Like, you know, with the YouTube, the YouTube channel is like one of my major undertakings. So I'm really like pushing the YouTube channel real heavy because it's something I just want, you know, our whole community, our whole community to know about. Because I know that it's a, it's a solution for a lot of people. Um, the unfortunate thing is there are a lot of math resources available, but I think that, you know, when you have math, when you have anxiety about anything, even if somebody is trying to give you a solution, it's kind of, it's still uncomfortable sometimes, you know, because it still had, like, it reminds you of that thing that you're anxious about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm so, so now I'm also like trying to think of like creative, like ways to market it, you know, to get people comfortable with even just going to visit the channel, you know, just, you know, browse around, you know, just look around, look at some videos. Cause I, I like, I make it make sense. And I, and one of the things I, I didn't realize at first, I guess it's like about my teaching style where I've gotten to this point in my, in my, my development as a teacher where like now I can like inspire people to feel like it's easy. Like I can inspire people to feel like they can do it. And I also have learned that like, that's something that not a lot of teachers have. A lot of teachers have, a lot of teachers are very solid with their content. Like they can tell you like what to do step by step and everything and be very clear with it. But sometimes that actually reinforces the problem because if you if you tell me how to do something, if I already have anxiety about something and I have like a defeatist attitude and I'm very pessimistic about my ability to succeed in something, and then you come you come along and you're very, you know, um, very proficient at showing how to do it, but you don't make me feel like I can do it too, then you're going to reinforce my anxiety. That goes back to that one-dimensional teaching style. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to be able to like really understand like you almost you got to be a coach. You got to be a coach. You got to be a hype man. Yeah. You got to make a person feel like like no, oh, you can do this. I got you. You got to be prime. Yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a good coach. He's a good, he's a good coach. I'll give him that. Because yeah. you know he's a good example. Because like he makes them boys feel like they can win. Yeah. You know, politics aside, you know, yeah. I have opinions about that, but yeah. yeah, but what it is, you know, if you focus in on that, he makes them boys feel like they can win, and that's 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 what math teacher, a good math teacher, has to do. I gotta, you gotta make that student feel like you're gonna get this, and it's not that hard because for a lot of people, everything around them, their school experience, their classroom experience. What they hear on on mute on um, on songs, what they see on TV, what they see on social media, everything is telling them like, "Yo, this shit is too hard. You can't do it." So then you got so that's what you're fighting back against as the teacher. It's like, in spite of all that, all that programming that you've experienced and been exposed to your whole life, now I'm gonna sit up here and tell you that you can actually do it. Like, and then it, then so that's where like trust comes into play too, because you gotta trust me. Because, you know, I'm, I'm expecting you to believe that all them other people was wrong. And I'm right. Because I'm telling you, you can do this. Yeah. So you got to trust me. And you got to believe it. But so I try to give people opportunities to be able to see, like, look, we just we started here on the board. And now we're here. That's the answer. And I broke it down for you step by step. And I showed you it was easy. Right. But at the same time, I also am very clear about just watching me do it 
you can't learn like that. You gotta you gotta get down there and roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty and like start doing some problems on your own. You gotta practice on your own. I'm just here as a guy. This is a reference. But now you gotta go do 10 problems. Or you gotta do 20 problems. And that's another thing too about um to my point earlier, who told you you were bad at math? I got this theory about having a magic number. Like every student has a magic number. And what I mean by that is this. Every student has a certain amount of problems they have to do on their own for practice until it starts to make sense and until they get proficient. But what happens in a classroom is you sitting in a classroom and you see somebody over like two rows over, they did one problem and they get it. They roll it. You know, they picked up the rhythm. They caught the rhythm of the problem. They know how to do it. You sitting there, you did one, you tried to do one problem, you couldn't get it. It didn't make sense to you. So now you're looking like, damn, there's something wrong with me. I don't know how to do this. See, math ain't for me. I'm not a math person. But in fact, you just have a, that student, their magic number was one. Your magic number might be six, might be seven. You got to do them seven problems until you become proficient. Different people have different magic numbers. So, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of children. And then also too, like, in terms of like, who told you you was bad at math? A lot of times we're comparing ourselves to the wrong people. Like, I started teaching my son, my, my oldest son, Nassim. He's 18. He's a freshman in college now. I started teaching him algebra when he was six years old. We started solving simple equations. You know, a little simple stuff like x plus 5 equals 9. You know, 3x plus 2 equals 8. Little two-step equations, one-step equations. Mm-hmm. On that is 6. So, if, you know, somebody was in his middle school class, 6th grade, 7th grade, and the teacher puts up some work. And it might be something that he'd been doing since he was like, you know, 7 or 8. So and some little girl or some little boy in his class, they looking at him and he pick up his pen, pencil, boom, 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 knock the problem out real quick. He's sitting there chilling. And then they're looking at him like, damn, like, why he get done so fast? I don't even get it. So then they're comparing themselves to him. You can't compare yourself to him because you don't know his background. Right. His back, he's he's not he's not normal. And I'm not saying he's not normal like like he was born different. He was born he's intelligent. Been- He's been like, trained different. Yeah, he's been yeah. trained. Exactly. He got different training. So the, but you don't know his, his resume. You don't know his background. You don't know his pop is a math, whole math professor. You know, and just like a lot of students, they have access to tutoring. So they got, you know, personal tutors every day, like, like people that work that I tutor. You know, if you were sitting in class with some of my students that I tutor, you might not be on their level. So you can't compare yourself to them. Because you compare yourself to them, you're going to set yourself up for failure because you'll be thinking like, damn, like, I must be dumb. I must be dumb as shit. Like <laughs> that's, that's what you be saying to yourself. But it's a, it's a but it's a false reality because you're making a you're making an assessment without having all of the information. So and then and then you go then you go through life like that. And it's like because it's like probably a lot of people made faulty comparisons, and we could probably back map and trace it back to like sometime like when somebody was in sixth grade and they did that. Somebody was in seventh grade they did it. Somebody was in fifth grade when they did. It. They looked at this person. Not knowing that this person goes to a tutor two days a week, three days a week on top of sitting in class on top of this. Or they did a summer, they do summer programs. Like somebody like me, like I did a summer program almost every summer when I was growing up. I think that's why, like when I became a teacher, I never took a summer off. I was already in that. (laughs) I was conditioned like that. I always did a summer program doing some type of math, some type of science, trying to get, trying to get ahead, trying to get an advantage over the competition. So I'm coming in class like, 
seeing stuff like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, let's do that. But I, oh, we did that in the summer program. Yeah, okay, I remember this. But you said never seen it before. It's yeah, a real life lesson. Oh, he got yeah. it right. He got it right. He finished already. What's wrong with me? Must be something wrong with me. Nah, it's nothing wrong with you. you yeah. Just don't have it. yeah. Yeah. So stop counting people's pockets. Stop looking at what they have. <laughs> what they <laughs> post on social media. Yeah, <laughs> we started at the same place where I don't have it. Now you right. don't know the work they put in behind the scenes. Right. You don't yeah. know about all that math. People look like just like when people people looking at like Elon Musk, like you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, his his parents, his parents was down with like a part time South Africa. He got his, his pop got like a like an emerald mine or some shit. Like yeah. from, from shit like they the same people that wanted that that's the reason that my man Steve Biko got murdered in, in that jail. Same reason that, that Mandela was in jail for with for 27 years. Same reason, like when you know, all these people like Sabuque, all of them, you know what I'm saying? Like they the reason for that. Like they they wealthy for that. They they not they're not playing fair. They didn't work hard. Like that's a that's a false narrative they give us, like work hard and get rich. Like yeah. most people that get rich, they get rich from stealing and killing people. <laughs> yeah. Not not working hard. Yeah, that's not yeah, that's not that's not working hard because like it's a contradiction because in, in, in a true capitalist sense, the goal is to not work hard. That's why like you get higher up on a higher level, you don't have to work. Like that's yeah. the goal is to not have to work. At least that's that's what that's what they teach in that system. It's yeah. like you're supposed to put you're not supposed to do your fair share. It's like, oh, I got a lot of money, so I gotta do my fair share. You know? Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's a some it's a similar concept. You know, and I, um before we got cut off, I failed to mention this. Uh, uh, you were talking about the revolutionary who uh, attended Prairie View. Matt has so, a daughter uh, that's attending Prairie View right now uh, nice. as a freshman. Right? Yep. Yeah. Nice. And see that, you know, so that that that's important because, so, you know, something else, you know, that I, that I talk about called um, – geographic exemplar displacement exemplar displacement like and this, this is why it's important to know to know people right to know different people know know history and, and whatnot because it's helped me a lot because like a lot of students in prairie view probably don't know who sundiata coley is right and there's nothing accidental about that and i, I wouldn't even blame them it's not their fault it's that you've been denied access to that type of information like to find out somebody about somebody like him you got to really go search and you got to be in certain spaces and in certain communities that, you know, of people that know about that type of stuff, but they'll give you a Meg the stallion <laughs> and her, the representative for Prairie View A&M. And I mean, it's fine if you want to be a Meg the stallion fan, that's cool. But at least if you know about Sundiata Coley, then you can say, okay, well, this brother went to Prairie View A&M. This is what he was about. You can have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Choice. Like a lot, the young people don't even have a choice because they don't even know. It's like, I'd rather just like, I, I want to expose them to like, okay, you know who Asada Shakur was, who she is. Now you got a choice. You know? And, and, and a lot of times we play this, people play this game. It's like they overemphasize the both and concept. Whereas sometimes you got to choose, you know, because everybody's not about the same thing. And sometimes people are about things that are, when you really analyze what they're really into and what their propaganda is, it's more harmful to us than helpful. You know, there, there are a lot more negative consequences 
from buying into certain things than, than certain other things. Yeah. And um, I was watching your videos and I saw that um, in a lot of them, uh, you include, you know, your, your, your own children in, in the yeah. making of the videos. And I was just going to ask, is that something intentional? And then, you know, like, I guess, like, is there an angle you're trying to push by including them um, in your content? Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, that's definitely intentional. Definitely intentional because I'm trying to model for black parents that this is our responsibility and this is something that we can do. And while, yes, I am a math teacher and a math professor, uh, I'm a father before that. Right. And it's, it's my responsibility to make sure my daughter knows certain things, make sure, you know, my, my other children know certain things. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, OK, when I make a decision to teach her certain things or like it might have been a time like matter of fact, one time I think we was out like uh, in August and, you know, for like for my oldest son's birthday, he turned 18. We went out to eat. And I was talking to my daughter and I was about to, you know, uh, you know, sign the, you know, sign the receipt and everything and pay. And I asked her like this, you know, how to calculate a tip, calculate the percentage on the tip, calculate how much it should be. And she was like, no, nah, I don't know that. So I was like, dang, I must not, I didn't teach you that yet. All right. So I got to teach you that. I'm like, well, if I got to teach you that anyway, like let's, 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 let's make a video. Let's share it with the world. Cause other people, other, other, you know, parents may not know it, or if they know it, maybe they haven't taught their children. So it's a way to show the community, like, look, this is something that we could do. And, you know, we could teach our children, like, about percentages. And I think what I was, the method I was using was, like, I think benchmark percentages, you know, which is something I just taught my students the other day, like benchmark percentages, whereas instead of, like, you know, it's kind of like a way to do mental math and figure out percentages. Like, because if you want to figure out, like, 22% or something, any number, right, you could figure out 10% of any any number you start with. Like, let's say you go out to eat, and I use, I'll use $100 for simplicity. Right. Simplicity's sake, use a hundred dollars. You can find ten percent of any number by moving the decimal point one space to the left. So if it's a hundred dollars, there's an invisible decimal point after the zero. So that's a hundred point zero zero really. Move the decimal point one space over, now you got ten dollars. So ten percent of a hundred dollars is ten dollars. Now check this out though. If I know that ten percent is ten dollars, I can figure out twenty percent by just doubling it. Because ten percent times two is twenty percent. So that means that $10 times two is $20. But what about the 2%, the extra two? There's a couple ways to get that. But what I would do is you can figure out 1% of any number by moving the decimal point over twice. So 1% of that $100, that original bill for the mill, 1% is $1. Because we slid the decimal point over two times. $1. So if 1% is $1, 2% is $2. And then you got your $20 from the 20%, add it to the $2 from the 2%. So 22% is $22. And you could do that with any number, any numbers. I mean, even if it's like $156.37, slide the decimal point over one place, you get your 10%. Slide it over twice, you get 1%. And you just play with the numbers, add them up. It might be, you might want to figure out. I don't know, 27% or something. So you might say, all right, well, let me figure out 10%. And if I know 10%, I double that to get 20%. And then I need another 7% though. So what's that? Hmm. Watch this. I could do 5% and then 2%. How do I figure out 5%? 2% times 
I could take 10% and take half of that because five is half of 10. So I take half of the 10 to get the 5%. Whatever dollar amount that is, I'm going to add it to the 20%. And then how do I get the extra 2%? I'm going to find 1%. And then I'm going to double that to get 2%. And I just add those numbers up. Add the 20% plus the 5% plus the 2%. Add the numbers up. So that's just something that, you know, I was like, nah, my daughter needs to notice. My daughter needs to notice. And, you know, it's like I never – another reason for the channel is like, I'm trying to build confidence in our community. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it feels like to have anxiety about math homework for my children. But I, I appreciate and understand that that's very rare. A lot of people in our, in our community, they feel anxiety when it's time to help with home, math homework. So I recognize that, and I want people to feel how I. I want people to have that ease and that comfort. It's like, oh, you got math homework? Let me see it. Your blood pressure ain't go up. Your heart rate ain't go up. None of that. You ain't start to tense up or nothing. I want you to feel confident and feel confident that you can help your child with any math homework. So that's why I created. I also created the YouTube channel so for parents, they can they can lock in and start like watching the videos and find go to the playlist and find like a specific video they need and be like, oh, okay, that's all you got to do. Okay, cool. So when their child comes home, they need that homework help. They can just relax. Everything will be cool. Put the so, video on. Yeah. People on these uh social media rails. <laughs> if Johnny got three apples, like you know, get mad, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and sometimes you need like because like you know, what people don't understand, well, it's not that they don't understand. Sometimes we get angry, we not we not thinking straight when we get angry. Like, I mean, that's that's human nature. So we're not thinking about the fact that. It's really not going to be helpful. I mean, I'm guilty of this too. You know, people will be surprised. Yeah, I'm guilty of this too. I used to yell at my children all the time. You know, so I get it. You know, people would be surprised, like, oh, what you yell at your children and you're trying to help them with math? Like, yeah, I'm not proud of it, but it's something I've worked on. I do it less now than I used to sometimes, but um, I know what it's like. But we're not thinking about the fact that, like, yelling is not going to help like cognitive ability. It's not it's not going to help them like but it's only our frustration. And what I also realized about myself was that I would I was projecting my own anger and my own feelings of inadequacy onto my children. Because I'm like, why don't you understand this? But really what I'm saying is like, I guess what I didn't articulate was like, why am I not a good enough teacher to get you to understand it? Yeah. So but I didn't like I wasn't able to articulate that. So really I'm angry at myself but I'm directing it outward. You know, that's what I was, that's what I was doing. So I think that's what a lot of parents be doing. That's like, that's why we get upset. Cause we like, it's a reminder that like, it's a weakness that we have. Yeah. We want to be able to like, I want to be able to explain something to you and you understand it right away. If you don't understand it. And especially if that's the only way I know how to explain it. Cause if I only know how to explain it one way and you're not getting it with this one way, it's like, shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like I don't got I don't got a whole arsenal. I don't got other weapons. Like, you know what I'm saying? We gotta I, you gotta get it this way because I don't know five other ways. Yeah. But you can go to the channel and you can find, you know, different videos, different methods of doing multiplication, different methods of doing division, different methods of adding and subtracting, doing work with fractions. You find different methods, you know? Yeah. I think about 
uh, Michael Jordan when you say that and they talk about, you know, how great he is and but he sucks as an owner, you know, trying to identify, you know, talent because the more proficient you are, you know, in, in, in an area, then it's like you're less likely to be able to teach it and coach it and, and all that. So, yeah, that happens, man. Like that, that's like, like, that's what I, I realized something else while in my teaching career, like the more fundamental the class is, the harder it can be to teach that class. But you would, but it seems counterintuitive because you think like the lower the level of the math class, the easier it should be to teach because of the level of the content. But the reality of, for one thing, like if you like if you do higher level math, and then you might have to help somebody with like algebra one, and then you got to check yourself because you got to be like because they might ask you a question like, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you why'd you divide by six right there in that part of the problem? And then you might be like, wait a minute, I don't know why did I do that? Because your muscle memory has kicked in. You do that so much, you don't think about why you do it. So that's cool for you when you're doing it because you've been doing you did that type of problem like 30,000 times. But now you're trying to show it to somebody that don't understand at all. They have no frame of reference. So now you got to sit back and think like, damn, why do I do that? But it actually can help you become a good teacher because a lot of times, again, people don't develop their teaching ability because they never get challenged. Like don't nobody ask them no questions like, well, why do you do it that way? And sometimes you just, well, somebody taught me to do it that way. And I just ran with it. I never thought about it. I just did what I was told. But then, you know, when somebody asks you, well, why do you do it? You can't explain it. And it's like, you know, you got to take a moment and think like, damn, I don't even know. You know? <laughs> so it's a lot of that, like with the fundamental classes, because you're so used to just like it's something I call mathematical muscle memory. Your muscle memory kicked in such a long time ago. You don't even think about why you do it. Yeah. It's like I play sports, like somebody playing basketball. You don't think about how to dribble. You just do it. You know, like walking. Like, you don't think about how to walk. You just do it. Because muscle memory. Like, you get real good with math. Like, you just start muscle memory. Like, I I can see problems, like, and I just, like, see it on the paper. I just start, pick up, just go. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think about it. But, I mean, I, I know how to, I've been blessed to be able to, like, kind of shift gears. Because I'm just doing it for myself. I'll just go. But a lot of times I'm in, like, teacher mode. And in teacher mode, I'm like, going step by step, like thinking like, okay, well, then you do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. Thinking about why I'm doing it. So I'm, it's almost like I'm doing the problem as if I was trying to explain it to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you got to be able to, um, yeah, you, you got to be able to like think, of, you got to be able to explain like why you're doing it. Like, like elementary level math, hard to teach, addition, subtract. Because you got to remember, I be reminding my students all the time, like my education majors, like, this is stuff we take for granted. That's why it's going to be hard because you got to think about like counting. You take counting for granted. But what about like a five-year-old or four-year-old that never counted before? Like they can't take it for granted. You got to explain like, why does that make sense? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, why does, why is the number four connected to these four objects, these four toys? Like you take it for granted because you already know how to count, but they just learn how to count. So now you got to think like, Damn, how am I explaining that? But it's good though, because it challenges you to think more deeply, and then you get a you gain a better understanding for yourself too. Yeah, you got to go all the way back to the basics. Yeah, yeah. you got to go back to the basics. Like, and it's the same thing with sports. Like, I was my son, like my son Kwame, he's four years old, started playing little league, like little league, like pee wee baseball, and I'm sitting out there like his practices, and I'm like, 
yo, this is just like teaching. And then I'm thinking, because I remember, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, when I played Little League Baseball, like, back in the day, and, like, it reminded me of all the things that, like, we take for granted. Like, just how to, like, how to run the first base. Like, a little kid that never ran the first base before, they don't know how to run the first base. You mm -hmm. got to show them how to run the first base. But, like, if you're not thinking, like, in, in, a, in, in a certain mindset, you might get frustrated. Because you'd be like, what's so hard about that? Why they can't just do that? They can't do it because they never did it before. They don't know how to do it. Nobody showed them. You know, just basic stuff like, you know, because you see them like they hit the ball off the tee, drop. They might forget to drop the bat because <laughs> you don't tell them <laughs> they're gonna keep. They're gonna keep the bat. Yeah. Like they might run the third base or they might run to the pitcher's mound. <clears throat> you know, so it's like all the. But it was it's, it's it was a good, it was a healthy exercise for me to just observe that because it made me think more. It made me. It reminded me of teaching and how like with teaching you gotta like really understand the basics and understand how to explain the basics, you know, and if you can explain the basics in any area, and I, I think it's that's a transferable skill because you got to think about like, you kind of got almost like divorce yourself from your own experience. So somebody that's been like, and I think that's probably, that's probably why like a lot of like you brought up Jordan, like why a lot of great players are not able to be great coaches because they're just so great they can't divorce themselves from their own experience and they can't go back and say like okay well damn what was it like when i didn't know how to make a layup so if i'm trying to show somebody how to make a layup or all these like fundamental things they probably just you know like ah, i don't i don't remember yeah you just got to perform this this is my expectation you got to meet my expectation if you don't meet my expectation then fuck it you out of luck and you ain't good enough <laughs> Whereas a good coach can can like really be like, okay, I'm gonna help you with this. You yeah. know. Um, we were gonna briefly uh just touch on the book uh as well, how to use all this math, you know, volume one, just kind of um, you know, just briefly share uh how that came about. Yeah, so that came about because again, trying to offer resources to the community. And let me just grab a copy. So this is it right here. How to use all this math. Shout out to my cousin Yvette for the for the cover art. And this is my daughter. This is supposed to be a cider right here. And that's me. Um, you know, standing in front of the board. So this is like, you know, how when we be doing math problems. Um, it kind of came about just as like part of a desire to offer resources to the community, just like the YouTube channel. And like I said, I always I always think of ways to relate math to everyday life. So what the book is, is it's 20 chapters. Each chapter represents a different topic where I'm talking, I'm, I'm addressing like everyday issues or like everyday, you know, running errands with your children or driving in the car or like going into the kitchen to get a snack or something, things like that. Things that anybody does, anybody can do. But what I'm doing is I'm showing you how you can convert those things into teachable moments where you can use those activities to show your children arithmetic, help them practice their arithmetic and show them algebra, help them practice algebra and even some geometry and practice out geometry. Even though volume one, I have the outline for volume two done already. I haven't started writing it yet, though, the actual book yet, but. This isn't as heavy in geometry, but volume two is going to be real, like much more heavy in geometry. So 
I'm showing you how you can take everyday activities and just like teach your children arithmetic and algebra. And one of the main benefits of that is they'll be really comfortable with math because they'll have so much experience with it and exposure to it. So they'll never have a chance to get math anxiety. Because that math, I'm telling you, that math anxiety slash math phobia, it's lurking. It's waiting. <laughs> it's like it's waiting for all of our children. So my hope is that this is a way to like avoid that because you're gonna have them like, you know, practicing math on a regular basis. Cause a lot of children don't have the same anxiety around English language arts class because they practice speaking English. You know, if English is their first language, they practice speaking English like every day. Yeah. Down in English language every day. And they think in the English language. If they speak English, they think in the English language, right? So they practice in the English language on a constant basis. But the same thing is not happening in terms of for math in a lot of households. So what this does is I'm showing you how to have just basic math conversations, like riding in the car on the way to school. One of the chapters is called license plate games. With license plate games, suggesting that, you know, when you're in the car, have your children, have your children like put their phone down, put the tablets down. Look at that car in front of us. Tell me the tell me the numbers on that license plate. All right. Now after that, add those numbers together. We're gonna practice addition facts. Now subtract those numbers. We're gonna practice subtraction facts. Now multiply them. We're gonna practice our multiplication facts. Now divide them. Practice division facts. We might even um find the common factors between the numbers, find the common multiples between the numbers. All these things we could do. Right? We might make fractions with the numbers and add them or subtract them. All these things that we could do that's just like right in front of us. But you might not, but most people are not going to think of that because, like, I think of this stuff all the time because I'm just immersed in, like, all this math, like, every day, every day, right? So I'm like, the stuff I think of, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to share this with the people. Like, what if everybody did this, you know? Um, you grab a bottle of water, right? Grab a snack, bag of chips, anything. And it's got the weight on it, right? The weight is on it. So, but it's all, it's often in two, in two formats. The metric system, weight, and also in the, the British imperial system. So like a bottle of water, typically a regular size bottle of water, 16.9 fluid ounces. It's also 500 milliliters. So there's a way that we can set up an equation and I can ask any question about, you know, another, another measurement. Like I can say, well, tell me with that information, tell me how many ounces is in a thousand milliliters. So I'll show you in a book how to set up the equation. It's a simple, it's a straightforward proportion. One fraction equal to another fraction. So 16.9 on top, 500 on the bottom, put an equal sign. Then the amount of ounces, you don't know the amount of ounces, so that's X. And then you got milliliters again on the bottom, denominator, more than 1,000. And then I get culturally relevant with it because since you got to cross multiply, that's what most textbooks call it, cross multiplication. You got to go diagonal. You form an X. So I call it the Malcolm X method. It was a way to evoke Malcolm X. That's his, that's 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 systematics in real time. So, but it's really a two-step process. You cross multiply, and then you divide by the number that is connected to the variable, and then you get the amount. You get so then you know, and then once they know that 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 process, they'll have to do that so much in algebra, and then I mean just in unit conversion, just in life, just to figure figure things out. Like, okay, if this is this many ounces, or this is this many kilograms. Then how many, how many, uh, how many, how many uh, pounds is this? You know, and it's and it's a straightforward conversion. But what happens? What I'm doing is I'm showing you how to do that, and also 
it's meant to become a habit. So every time your child comes into the kitchen, like you might tell them, you might incentivize it. Tell them like, yo, you want that bag of chips? Tell me how many, I don't know, tell me how many grams is in four ounces. Because the bag of chips will tell you, like, you know, one ounce, and then they'll say like 28 grams or 29 grams, right? So from that information, you set up your equation. And then, but, but the thing is, imagine how proficient and fluent they're going to be in math if they in the house doing that every day, just once a day. Yeah. So, so that by the so what it's gonna happen is it's meant to protect them because when they get to school and they see it, it's not gonna be like, oh shit, what is this? Yeah, familiar with I never seen this before. It's like like again, basketball. I learned how to play basketball. You learn how to play basketball in your neighborhood with your family, with your friends. You go to school to practice. When it's time for gym, you're not nervous. You're not nervous because you always play basketball. Yeah. But when you math class, you be nervous because you don't you don't do math in the house. You don't do math in your neighborhood, or if you are doing it, you don't recognize you're doing it because a lot of us are doing it, but they don't recognize they're doing it, so it's almost like they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. They don't have a recognition. Yeah. So I want I want our children to be just as confident when they go into math class as you know as athletes are, you know, great football players are when they step on the football field. That same level of confidence. Great basketball players when they step on the basketball court. That same level of confidence. But what that takes is you got to like you got to start early. You got to do a lot of math early and often, and just and practice it. You know, on a regular basis. You know, um, and it's like a lot of a lot of stuff in there like that, like fractions. Like I, I've had so many students that say they hate fractions. I hate fractions. I hate fractions. And I think it's because they don't understand the concept of what a fraction is. So um, I got actually I got two chapters in here on fractions. One chapter is called Pizza Fractions because that's how I taught my oldest son. That's how I introduced him to fractions. On Sundays, we would watch football, order pizzas and, and you know wings and junk and all that junk food, all that type stuff. And instead of me telling him just you know here's one slice of pizza, I explained the concept of all right, this is a large pizza is cut into eight slices. So if you take one, that means you're taking one eighth. You just took an eighth of the pizza. So I introduced him to the concept of a fraction. So it became part of his vocabulary, part of his language, and part of the way that he viewed the world in terms of like a fraction. Because another thing I think about is in terms of people just having a sense of community, I think a lot of people lack a sense of community, definitely. But I think one way to combat that is to teach about fractions. Because what is a fraction? Like, it's kind of like this, like, if I, because I have a strong sense of community and I also understand fractions. So it's four of us on this podcast right now, right? We're all each individual grown men, right? We're all each a whole man, right? But at the same time, as a collective, we each represent one fourth. Mm -hmm. So we each one fourth. So when you think about yourself in that context, it's like, damn, I'm part of something. You know, I'm part of a community. So then when you feel like you're part of the community, that's going to influence your behavior. So then you're like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't do this, you know, I, maybe I, sh I shouldn't do this, this guy behind me because I'm part of that community with him. You know, I have that feeling. And I think that we can use math and use fractions as a way to drive that idea home, you know, and, and get it, you know, get it into the psyche of the children from a young age. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so so that's another that's another chapter. Um, but it's, it's stuff like that in there. Like, you know, there's another chapter on converting temperature. So, like, I know, like, older cars... You know, you used to have to, well, pretty much all the cars now, 
you can you can go into the settings and convert the temperature from Fahrenheit to Celsius. Yeah. So I had a once upon a time a car I had back in the day. I decided, I don't know, I randomly, I don't know why I came up with this idea, but I just like, you know, fuck it. Let me just do this. <laughs> I programmed the car to Celsius. So that way, when I got in the car, it would force me to do the math every time I got in the car. And I would like had to practice the conversion because it's a, it's, a, it's a quick formula. I learned the formula when I was in 10th grade, but there was no reason for me to wait until 10th grade to learn. It. I didn't need to be 15 years old to learn it. A, a, a five-year-old, maybe six, seven-year-old could learn that formula and, and do that, you know, effectively, right? So there's a chapter in there, a mirror on that, like just, just doing that conversion. And then the because the idea is about repetition. That's where the value comes in, repetition. Because imagine, like, every time your children get in the car with you and you ask them, like, you know, they see the dashboard and they say, like, you know, because the thing is, like, for me, like, I don't know what 20 degrees Celsius feels like. I don't know. I'm not conditioned that way. I got to do the conversion. I'm still trying to get to the point where I start to remember because I do the conversions all the time a lot in my car or I, or I have my daughter doing when we, me and my daughter going somewhere. I'm like, Asada, convert that to, convert that to Fahrenheit for me, right? Uh, or convert that to Celsius for me, right? I don't know what 20 degrees Celsius feel like. I know what 20 degrees Fahrenheit feel like. It's cold outside because it's below freezing. Because freezing temperature is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. 20 degrees Celsius, I don't know what that feel like. But I can do the conversion to Fahrenheit, and I know what the Fahrenheit temperature feel like, is basically, let me see, 20 times 2, this is approximate, 20 times 2 is 40, 40 plus 32, so you take the you take the Fahrenheit, you take the Celsius temperature, it's a two-step process, you double it, and then you add, 30, add the number 32, so 20 times 2 is 40, 40 plus 32 is 72, and I detail all that in the book, so that means that 20 degrees Celsius is, is equivalent to 72. around 2 degrees. So if I, I know what 72 degrees feel like, yeah, I could think to myself, all right, well, if it's 72 degrees Fahrenheit, that's the same thing as 20 degrees Celsius. Now, I haven't personally, I haven't got to the point yet where I remember what the Celsius temperatures feel like. I know what the Fahrenheit feel like because I grew up like that. We watch the news, watch the weather report. So we know what that feel like. We know if it's 80 degrees, we know what that feel like. 90, we know what that feel like, right? But it just, it's a, it's a practice, like an exercise, sort of like, you know, develop your math fluency. And then also show the relevancy of math. But the but the real key is like kind of like, you know, it's like protecting them. It's like protecting your children. Because again, like I don't I don't want our children getting math anxiety when they don't have to. Because yeah. I think what happens is it's gotta so people always say like they throw this around, they say, oh it starts in the home, it starts in the home. Yeah, that's a lot of people say that because they don't want to they don't want to contribute to the community. They only want to take care of their own household. So what I'm saying is like, yes, a lot of things are supposed to start in the home, ideally. But my question is, well, what you gonna do when it's not starting in the home? Then what? Like, it's not enough just to say what tell somebody what they're supposed to do. Because oftentimes the person that's not, if you have to tell the person what they're supposed to do, that means they're not gonna do it anyway. They already not doing it. It's not like you like trying to shame them into doing being a better parent. It's gonna help, it's gonna motivate them to be a better parent. It's not really gonna work. So what we got what I think we got to do is say, all right, well, yeah, this person should do this, but it's clear that they're not, for whatever reason. Um, so how are we as a community going to step in? You know, kind of like the same way we do a family. With family, it's like, yo, somebody on drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like they, you know, they can't get that monkey off their back. They got two kids. What are we going to do? 
we're gonna have we're gonna have our niece and nephew just in the house you know what i'm saying like no food and you know what i'm saying because our, our cousin or like whoever like smoking up all the money every day you gotta go get them kids you gotta go get them you gotta take them in so we got so what i'm saying is like this is a way to like extend that type of thinking that community orientation to you know to the collective you know and that's that so this resource is really that you know it's like i know a lot of math but i'm not trying to just keep it to myself and to my kids and to just people i tutor and teach i want the whole community to have access yeah, can you hold, can you hold a book up again for me? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So people order, know what look at that when they go order. Yeah. I, I order mine today, dog. Yep. Yeah, this is only volume one. Yep. So volume two will be out, and then there'll be a volume three. Do you um, have a, a release date that you're planning on attacking for volume two? Say it again. You have a release date that you're planning for for volume two. I know you said you got the outline and you hadn't started, but do you have like a, a date marked on the wall that you want it want it out by? So I just I just told it's it's not a, a hard date, but I just told myself January, January 2024. Okay. So that's um and and be I think because I went through the process and like the learning curve and like because this this is the first book I ever published, you know. So I kind of learned I learned a lot in that process. So Volume two actually should be quicker because I won't I won't make the same mistakes. Yeah, you know that I that I made you know publishing this one and writing it and what. Yeah. So so yeah, Jen, I'm gonna say January 2024. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, man. Um, I think that's about all we had for you tonight, man. Like I said once again, apologize uh, for getting cut cut off earlier, but uh, we were able to jump back on so. Uh, we'll we'll leave the floor to you. Any final thoughts uh, before we uh, jump off? Yeah, just um, let me let me, if anybody watching, you know, listening, like let me let me help you get over your own uh, personal challenges with math. You know, your own anxiety because you know your your children are gonna inherit that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you you don't want your children doing that. And like a lot of times, I know as parents, you don't mean no harm, but any type of like negative disposition toward math, your children are gonna pick up on it. They're very perceptive, and your children know you. That's the other thing too. Your children know you. Your children know when you're nervous. Your children know when you're scared. Your children know when you're uncomfortable, because your children know you. So even if you don't say it, they'll be able to tell. You know, they'll tell by your body language. They'll tell from what you say. They'll tell from what you don't say. So you don't want to. Ideally, you don't want to transfer that anxiety you want to your children so you know let me help you get over that anxiety definitely subscribe to the youtube channel like the videos share the videos so that they'll get into the algorithm so more people will be able to find out about the channel and you know check out the book you know get a copy of the book it's on amazon right now which is just 34.95 with shipping it'll be 40 unless you got prime prime is free shipping so 34.95 i know it's a lot it's, a, it's less than $40. That's what I say. It's less than $40. Don't get for it. Yeah, we wait. It's, it's, it's real easy to waste $40. But this this is a resource. This is actually a real. Let me, let me say something else about this book. A lot of people have, like, showed support and purchased the book. And I appreciate the support. But I don't want people to just grab the book and let it sit on the shelf. I want this book to get dirty, to get raggedy from use, from, over, from, from overuse. You know, I want the, like, pages to be dog-eared. 
I want like you highlighting in the margin, like you know, highlighting text, you know, certain things that, you know, make more sense that you want to come back to. Um, if it's something you don't, you don't understand, that's cool too. Um, what I'm going to be doing is like there are 20 chapters in this book. I'm going to have accompanying videos on my YouTube channel. I mean, there's going to be a specific playlist just for the book. So if there's any like chapter that you like don't really fully grasp, and I understand it might be because some of it is a little, you know, a little bit of algebra in some of it. Um, and some of the stuff I might not have explained it as well as I could have, you know, so but I'm going to do like some specific videos on each of these concepts. So for you to for you to tap into. But um, but yeah, but use it, though, like if you grab it, definitely use it like, you know, it should be. This book, you know, it should be maybe the cover might get ripped, you know, what I'm like that's that's what's supposed to happen. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like uh, when you're playing sports, like, you know, you, you know, you, you can tell you can, you know what that means when somebody's jersey is clean. You know what I'm saying? When your jersey clean. You, know. <laughs> you can get a tie. They got you're a good time in. They got a good <laughs> offensive line. You're supposed to be dirty. You know what I'm saying? Because you got playing time, especially like in high school. You know what I'm saying? You come to school, like, you know, your jersey all clean. You know, those people that are paying attention, like, they they know what's up. So it's, they, this book's supposed to get dirty. I mean, you're supposed to be using it, you know, use it over and over again, tell people about it, you know, write, you know, write your notes in the margins and all that, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot, and also another thing, it's kind of it's almost it's similar to a textbook because in a lot of the chapters at the end, I put uh practice problems, you know. But the practice problems are just a suggestion. And once you see what what my practice problems are like, you can make up your own practice problems, you know. Like I let me let me say this like before we go, I got a chapter in here called uh, "What is your negative age?" Your negative age, right? So it's a way to introduce negative numbers to our children, and this is something I did with my daughter Asada. I've been doing this for her since, since she was young. So I would, and what it, what it, what happens is, is it kind of breaks down like this. I would be telling her a story about something that happened when I was a young, right? Way before she was born. And one day I just, it encouraged me. I said, you know what? Ask her how old she was, right? So I said, how old were you when that happened, Asada? And she looked at me like I was crazy, right? Because it didn't make no sense. Like, dad, what you mean how old I was? I wasn't even born yet. But what I'm doing, what I was doing was trying to teach her the concept of negative numbers. So for example, if I'm telling her a story about something that happened to me or something I did when I was eight years old, she knows that she knows what year she was born. She was born in 2012. So in terms of a number line, her zero year is 2012. So anything before 2012 represents a negative value, right? So if it's something that happened when I was eight, she also knows that I was born in 1980. So if I was eight, then she could say, well, okay, so that happened in 1988. So now she's doing the math problem. She's just, she's doing subtraction between 2012 and 1988. So she ends up with 24, right? Any way she does it, there's many different ways to do that subtraction, right? So, but it's negative 24. So then she's like, I was negative 24 years old, dad. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? That happened. So it's a way to, it's also a way to show a connection to your children. And what I did was, in terms of the um, the practice problems, right? Um, in the back of the in the back of that chapter, I put some examples like ask your child what their negative age was in the following years. 
question number one, the year 1791. What happened in 1791? And this is his, this is systematics again. The commencement of the Haitian Revolution. Haitian Revolution popped off in 1791. Example two, 19, year 1955. What happened in 1955? Well, a lot of stuff happened in 1955, but the one thing that I highlighted was that was the year the Montgomery bus boycott. So you see how like, it's like a math lesson, but we like, we're not gonna leave it there, right? We're gonna take the math lesson and we're gonna leverage it into a history lesson. Cause we already, you know, the numbers is right there anyway. So it's like, we might as well just add it on. Like, yeah, let's do that too. Let's do that at the same time. Cause that's another thing with Western education is very compartmentalized, which causes a lot of confusion. So it's like, why not combine, you know, subjects and be cross curricular, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, 1925. Like how old, how old was it? Like ask your children, how old were you when uh, Malcolm X was born? When was Malcolm X born? 1925. Had them do that math. So the key is, again, we protecting them from math anxiety because when they go to school and it, you know, they get into a class and it's time to talk about negative numbers, a lot of kids, they don't know what to do. Like negative numbers, what you mean? What's a negative number? Whoa, so they get all nervous, get uncomfortable. But, but, if but not your kids, you know why? Because y'all been talking about negative numbers almost their whole life and in, in a way that was relevant because it's like you might be talking about something about and it don't got you don't got to use like um you know historical figures talk about people in your own family like you know help tell them like, i'm sure you tell your children stories about their great their grandparents or their great grandparents or you know or when you was a child and you were spending time with your grandparents or what or whatnot you know you telling them stories like and again this is a way to like meet people where they are and it don't require a whole lot of shifting and changing of like your routine it's like you're talking to your children anyway you tell them stories about the past all the time like yeah when i was your age we did this and, you know you, did, you know we used to do this and do that do that and then it's like you know what when i was like seven you know when i was like five and we used to do that and you say you know what how old were you when i was that age yeah and boom that's the because you, you're having the conversation and you connecting it to like a historical lesson even if it's family history yeah that's another thing too like Somebody was telling me that they felt like, um, you know, they didn't understand that like their family history was valuable history. And I was like, well, hold up though, because even the people that we learn about in textbooks, that's somebody family, you know, that's somebody family history. So then you got to think to yourself, like, why do you think that your family history is not as valuable as somebody else's family history? Maybe just because they was high level politicians, like, your family history just is important. Plus, the, a lot of the information in textbooks comes from like interviews of you know everyday people. Yeah. You know, I doubt about people like in states like Mississippi, Alabama, Maryland, Illinois, California, whatever. Like people getting interviewed about their experiences, you know, and what they did. That was my family, some regular everyday people, and that's my family. So, you know, I was telling somebody like you know don't always think that, you know, if you're not that you can only don't think that you can only teach history using people that are famous or famously known, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave with that. Yeah. Definitely support, grab a copy of the book, subscribe to the YouTube channel and use the YouTube channel, use the YouTube channel. Um, another thing I'm, I'm going to be doing, I got to say this. Um, I would love to come down to Mississippi and do some of, some of my new math parent workshops. Um, if I can't travel down there, then, you know, we can organize something virtual, you know, where I'm going to just be kind of just teaching parents about the new the new math methods, you know, especially in the elementary math. So 
yeah, man, if y'all could, you know, do anything in terms of like organizing that, I mean, we could talk more about that. You know, I definitely, yeah, definitely. that's something I'm going to be doing here in Philly and in some other places. And I really would like to do it all over the country. You yeah, know, um, I'll mention uh, Sharon Johnston. Uh, you probably saw when we shared the post earlier today um, from from where we're from that she's considered to be um, the math you know person in our school and then also in the community. So uh, we definitely reach out to her and uh, just see um, about getting you you know here and trying to get uh, connected and, and collaborate uh, with uh, Sharon Johnson. Yeah, yeah, please do. Yep. E, you want to close us out? Yeah, man, I'll close this out, man. But Kill, definitely appreciate you, brother. Um, what you're doing, man, is is not going unnoticed. Um, you know, I know we make impacts in waves. And so we we just glad to be able to have you on tonight to uh share your journey and uh what Hispanics is and how it relates to our history and yeah. uh what, what you're doing, which is good for our community across the world. So I uh, definitely appreciate you, man. And um, you know, we'll definitely be in touch. And um, you know, as you do those workshops or something new coming up, we'd like to have you on again to talk about that, you know, and, and go from there. Yeah, definitely, man. I really, I really appreciate y'all sharing your platform with me. Um, you know, and just uh us having such a such a lengthy conversation. Cause I like I've I've been on a lot of a lot of podcasts and whatnot, but a lot of times due to like time constraints and whatnot, I don't really get to like really go in, you know what I'm saying? But y'all yeah. gave a lot of time. Like, I think we've been on here for almost like almost three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. But that's that's how much time like was needed. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. yeah. And, and we had technicalities, which um, you know, never happened before. If it happened again, we're gonna make some changes. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but man, we definitely appreciate you, uh, Jake. You good? Yeah, man, we good, man. Appreciate you again. Is is Mac is Mac all right? It, he he probably he probably in the bathroom so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he good. I, I know he had some, some video issues and stuff earlier, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just sat back down, man. I had to go check on my daughter, bro. Make sure she was getting in the bed, man. Okay. But yeah, man. I, I had my phone with me. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you, man, tapping in with us, bro, and, and bringing all your expertise to our platform. And just letting us know that we have another resource in the community. So, uh, like I said, I purchased the book today, and just good knowing. Like, if I have any issues, I'm gonna for sure reach out. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Yeah, I need that. Yeah. Well, man, this has been uh, Sticks and Stones. We're right back tomorrow. Kia, uh, actually, this week we're doing two episodes for the first time, so we'll be back tomorrow, uh, episode 35, and uh, we'll drop that announcement. Next time. Appreciate it. We out. Peace. Yes, sir. I put this shit on my shoulders like a backpack. Savage 21, yeah, blackjack. Hit the powder with the water, that's a flapjack. Got caught with the work and snitch you a pack rat. I do this shit for the